Super Bowl conversation continues on Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, February 4th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Star's coverage team of Vahe Gregorian, Sam Mellinger, and Sam McDowell got in final says about the Chiefs game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday in Tampa. Beat writer Herbie Teope was covering practice. We talked about the keys on both sides of the ball for the Chiefs, and in a week of getting inundated with email about prop bets, we talked about which ones might hold a clue to the Chiefs' success. We also discussed the career of former Chiefs coach Marty Schottenheimer, who entered hospice care earlier this week. The Chiefs, as part of the Kansas City culture, you know, the huge crowds at Arrowhead Stadium, the tailgating, the party atmosphere, started with the Schottenheimer decade of the 1990s. Plus, we offer some final thoughts as the Chiefs bid for their second straight NFL championship. The show started as a Sportsbeat Live and is now a Sportsbeat KC podcast, so let's get started. Hey, good morning and welcome to Sportsbeat Live, the Kansas City Stars Chiefs program. Uh, We're coming to you from snowy Kansas City as I look out the window beyond uh, the... Uh, the, the, com- the computer, the desk of the great reporter Glenn Rice. Uh, there's snow on the windshield, so it's gone from rain to snow already this morning. Looks like we're going to get some more snow today, um, and and pretty darn cold next week, from what I'm <laughs> from what I see. So, um, but uh, it, it won't be cold at the Super Bowl in Tampa on Sunday. Going to be rainy, from what I hear, but uh, but not cold. But hey. We are, uh, we're here to talk Chiefs with you. Please send us your questions and comments for the last show before the Super Bowl. We'll do one after the game, but this will be the last one we do before the Chiefs take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Sunday in Tampa, Florida. And uh, we, we talk Chiefs with you and with the people that know the team best. Uh, starting with our columnist Sam Mellinger and Vahe Gregorian. They are in the house. Good morning, guys. What's up? Morning, Blair. Morning, Sam. Vahe, did you finish up the uh, Sudoku? Uh, I got to uh, uh, a a good place. You know, they always say when you leave a a story that you're writing, leave it it in the middle of a sentence so you come back to the same thought. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) which may or may not be desirable, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I leave many of my stories in mid-thought, so, uh, <laughs> uh, and we'll, we'll soon be joined by Sam McDowell, and today, uh, once again, we will miss the visage and voice of Herbie Teope, and he has a good reason for missing today's show. He is out covering practice. Uh, he's at the Chiefs practice, and we will um, uh, and we will catch up her, certainly with Herbie after the game. Sam McDowell's here. Good morning, Sam. Hey, guys. So let's uh, let's catch up a little bit on the news. Uh, we'll start with the injury report. Um, Herbie is not here to do that, so I think we'll uh, collectively get it done. Uh, we know the two players uh, will not be or not be participating in the Super Bowl. Left tackle Eric Fisher, uh, linebacker Willie Gay Jr. Uh, that's been known and, and well reported. On the injury report, with limited participation Thursday uh, on Wednesday, the last time we had the injury report were. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins and who was it? Who else? The other one? oh, uh, uh, Le'Veon Bell, the running back. I kind of expect both of them to be ready for the game. Does anybody have any different sense? Um, it just seems like Watkins has declared himself healthy. 
I, you know, I think that, that Sam uh, Wellinger's expression sort of says it all, right? I mean, we, we, I think I have every reason to think he'll play, but, but also every reason to be a little skeptical of, um, of, of, of whether he'll play at all, or, but in fact, how, how well he'll be able to go, right? Just because it's been a bit of a recurring pattern and, and has seemed to go a week or two past uh, what you might anticipate all the time with him. Right. Right. Sammy said that he was very optimistic he, he would play. I, I don't see him sitting out. Okay. Uh, again, we, we take your questions and comments, and, and Dan Walden wants to know if I'll be working from the Mellinger's house when they close down the Star Building. Um, I think we all will, um, and not just the sports staff, but the entire Kansas City Star staff will be working out of the, the Mellinger mansion. Uh, when- <laughs> is that right? Where is that? <laughs> Hey, look, we got a leaseback. We've got a leaseback deal going here, and uh, a little closer. So, you know, let's talk after the show. Okay. Well, I'll we'll all take turns pitching in, uh, taking care of the kids, and uh, doing what what it takes to to get the job done. Well, if, if that yeah, if that's part of the deal, you can come over here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hey, so uh, the other the other piece of news. Let's I'll, I'll pose it in the form of a question: Is is anybody? Um, had a problem with their barber in, in the uh, pandemic times. Uh, has anybody had an issue getting a haircut or put off getting a haircut for, um, for an extended period? Or um, I know Vahe doesn't shave that often. Uh, he's going, goes at least two or three days without shaving as we can currently see. But uh, how about the, the barber is uh, who knew that, um, that, that a barber would be the story of the week for the chief. So uh, any traction to that story? It certainly was a, a big buzz yesterday. Uh, uh, and and the, the last we heard, Daniel Kilgore was apparently in the barber's chair when <laughs> when the alarms went off. And um, and he and Demarcus Robinson, I guess, were uh, ex- contact traced and, and uh, have, have been sitting out of practice this week. Any Any reason to be concerned about this story? Can I just say, like, is it not strange that they were letting this guy cut hair without the test coming back? Like, we'll just get the results back. Like after you've cut a few guys hair and just flip a coin here. Like it's just that part of it was like, hmm. <laughs> you know, it, it is funny because I think, look, we've seen the operation work pretty well. We think, you know, through the course of the season, at least in terms of results. So then you sort of, sort of start assuming they've got this remarkable science and, uh, process down you know to, to absolutely the t and then this seems so weird like i i just uh, <laughs> like get the especially if you've if he's been tested and the results are coming like i i just what's the upside here of of just getting in there and and getting your hair it's just it's so weird i can't believe they did that and it, it's it's also like the most pandemic football thing ever because like a scary haircut before March 12th of last year just meant like, you know, <laughs> they took too much off or whatever. And now it's like your stomach drops. <laughs> You're like, Oh my God, did they get to Mahomes? <laughs> you know, it's just such a weird world that we're in right now. So Terrence Wardle Robinson uh, wants to know how the haircuts are looking. I think that's the big question, and we'll we'll see on Sunday. Maybe that'll be part of the practice report that Herbie Tiope files today. And uh, and he also asked, uh, wasn't the barber as well as the players wearing masks? They absolutely were. In fact, I heard 
the, the barber was double masked. Maybe he had the shield on along with the, um, you know, with, uh, with, with the mask. So uh, I really don't expect much to come of it, but it's still a stay tuned moment. And it's funny. My, my image was of, you know, 20 players sitting in a barber shop, just hanging out, reading magazines, you know, like the state farm commercial with, Mahomes and his brother and everybody, just everybody hanging out, and that's uh, probably not how it how it went. And then the test <laughs> comes back, and they just scatter. <laughs> they're just like, knocking us like Costanza in the fire. You know, they're just knocking each other over. Costanza from the fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so let's uh, let's let's catch up on some Super Bowl topics here. Um, I want to start with uh, with actually a a tweet that I read uh, just earlier today, and Melly, I'll, I'll uh, it's, it's something that you addressed. And apparently, and I didn't, I guess I didn't realize this. The Chiefs are going to have no special plays for the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was amazing about that is that Andy Reid said that with mostly a straight face. I like that you never been a more obvious lie. It was good that you pointed out that it was mostly a straight face, though. <laughs> but it was just like I, I was expecting him to like smile or giggle or something, and he was just like, I think he was annoyed uh, at the question. But like, you know, Karen Kornacki, she's been doing this forever. Like, she's it, it's a softball for Andy to just be like, you know, we might have a thing or two, but I'm not going to tell you here. Like, that's all she was going for, right? And right. it's like Andy took it as like she was asking for the play design or something. You know, there's we know this by now. There's a big difference between Thursday Andy before <laughs> Super Bowl and let's say Monday Andy. Yeah. I had thought yesterday about getting on with Andy for something I'm working on uh, regarding Chiefs history, and my question was going to be uh, that last year he told us there's some plays named for Hank Stram in his playbook. And I was going to ask him, not for any play design, but if he could just give us one example of one name of one play. And I thought, that's not worth the time waiting on hold because he's not going to say anything at all to help me because it was Thursday, Andy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I've also noticed um, in, in these situations, and I think this is strategy on his part. Um, but if, if you ask two questions at once, if you just say, you know, instead of waiting, I've got to follow up. If you ask two questions at once, he's going to pick the one that he wants to answer <laughs> and ignore the other one. That is so true. That's, hey, Blair, when you referred to Twitter, though, I started smiling and I, I it was a Mellinger related thing. And I thought you were going to talk about this. Uh, Sam had the first tweet of the day that I read was regarding um, a Frank Clark, Johnny Cueto comparison. Yeah, and it I was got that, got that written down. I was going to go to that next. It was a great tweet as it was, but it was really made by the hashtag <laughs> make fun of glove thing. <laughs> I did. I did like the comparison, though. I, I thought it was it's pretty apt, right? Um, There's something there, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's a little bit. Um, you know, what's the opposite of generous? It, it's it's generous to Johnny Cueto, um, I guess, because Frank Clark has been much better overall body of work um, for the Chiefs than Cueto was for the Royals. But I think that, that there is a an apt comparison in that Cueto, the Royals needed him twice, uh, and that was it. And he was borderline garbage in, in the other however many stars he had for them. But the two times they needed him, God, he was nails. Um, he was absolutely terrific. And Clark has been – he's been fine. 
is a player for the Chiefs. Like he hasn't been garbage. He hasn't been bad. He's been good, but he hasn't been first round draft pick, huge contract. You know, he hasn't been that except in the playoffs. And right. you know, they absolutely, I, I don't think they win that Super Bowl. I mean, you could say this about, he's not the only one. You could say this about a handful of guys, but I think he's one of the guys that they don't win the Super Bowl last year without. And, and he was, he's been good in the postseason again. There's, you know, there's a, <laughs> there's a playoff Frank. Um, you know, I think we're starting to see that. Yeah, look, I, I you know, for, for a team that, you know, went 14 and two in the regular season, they seem to get along okay without playoff Frank during the regular season. Um, now that, uh, you know, the postseason is here, it, it hasn't he had a sack in each of the two games. And um, I just see him around the quarterback more than, uh, than I did during the regular season. I, Listen, I, I don't know if it's akin to – you remember in the pre-Mahomes days of, of covering the Chiefs and you know, it got to the point where like, players like Justin Houston and Eric Berry would never practice, right? They were always on the injury report listed as, you know, just did not practice. Uh, they'd make up some injury. But then they'd, be, they'd answer the gun on, on, on game day. Maybe, maybe Frank Clark's getting that sort of preferential veteran treatment the way those guys did in, back in the day. Well, he's going to have to have a big game, I think, because the the way to disrupt Tom Brady is to pressure him up the middle, and I, and obviously the the Bucks are aware of their their own quarterback's weakness, so they double team the middle a lot. You know that when you go back and watch the film of the first Bucks Chiefs matchup, Chris Jones was getting double teamed damn near every play, and so that means Frank Clark is going to have some one on one matchups on the outside, and you know Tom Brady gets rid of the ball quickly. If you're going to win on the outside and disrupt him, you got to do it quickly. So. I view Frank Clark as one of the key players to this game on Sunday. Patty Dyer McMurray says uh, on Twitter, Clark said he's simmering. That's a good, that's a good way to describe it. I like that. Um, hey, but let's, let's stick with the defense and, uh, and, and what it's, uh, what needs to happen on Sunday uh, for the chiefs to come out with a win. I, I absolutely agree that getting pressure on Tom Brady is, is of paramount importance and better to come up the middle than from the outside, which is where the Chiefs have been putting pressure on Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen in the playoffs with those corner and safety blitzes. Um, so how, how, does this, how is it going to work? If, if, if the Chiefs continue to dial up some pressure, uh, which has been successful in, in the playoffs, uh, can it come from the outside or does, does it have to be twisted and studded so it comes – you know, comes up the middle, and, and how does that impact um, Chris Jones and, and Frank Clark? Well, I think, go ahead, if, Sam. Well, if, if you time it right, um, you know, so, some of their biggest plays were pressure from the outside. And I'm thinking specifically of the Bashad Breeland interception, um, and, and that was, if I remember right, it was a blitz that brought six, I think. Um, but Tyron Matthew was the guy on on Brady's, you know, arm side over the right tackle. Matthew was the one that that came through on the outside, and he didn't get a sack. Um, I don't even know if he if he hit Brady, but he certainly made Brady throw the ball a little bit quicker. And it was, you know, yeah, the, the velocity was off, and and Breland made a strong play on the ball. Um, you know, so you you can do it, but if you if you do that blitz on the outside and it's a quick slant, you know, where the ball's out of his hands in a, a second and a half, then it doesn't matter. But you know, so it's got to be. It's got to be on the right snap, but they just need to, you know, Brady's numbers, it, it's ridiculous. The difference, um, you know, on pro football focus, if you look at it, it, when he's pressured and when he's not, everybody's better when they're not pressured, but he, there's a huge gap with him. Absolutely enormous. 
Well, it's it's not about sex, Sam. It's just about affecting the. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. I, I, being someone who who likes shiny things that you can remember easily, I'm I'm uh, still thinking about Spag's line the other day that uh, they have to not let Brady read the mail, and I I yeah. think it, it's a nice visual, and it really does make you realize the game within the game within the game is going to be not just how they can. Uh, execute obviously but to what degree their, their disguises are kind of effective and i think that really matters with brady oh absolutely that, that's a great point that, that's why a guy like tyron matthew is is a great guy to have for a game like this because he's a guy that that, that can uh sort of deceive that he's doing one thing and still getting it to his assignment and do another yeah yeah i'll tell you what it, at times this year the back end of the chief's defense has been phenomenal just phenomenal mm-hmm. And uh, and I think one of the reasons is is Tyron Matthews allowed to roam and play where he wants, line up where he wants, and read what he wants, and isn't uh, you know isn't assigned a spot. So, um, but on the other hand, the place where I think the Chiefs have been vulnerable uh, throughout the year uh, by several teams is deep middle. Um, now maybe that's true of all teams, but it just seems like you know I think of the touchdowns. Uh, the long touchdown passes uh, that, that, that the Raiders completed at, at Arrowhead, and, um, and and just sometimes you know sometimes the the, the overthrows, but uh, there have been a kind of a couple of instances this year where the uh, where the receiver had gotten beyond you know the the coverage and deep middle was available, and Brady is the master at that, especially if it's Gronkowski, um, could be one of his fast receivers. Um, Scotty Miller or Evans, uh, but but Gronk usually uh, deep middle getting past a linebacker is can be available to the Bucks, and I think that's where the the pressure up the middle is is of just paramount importance for the for the Chiefs. Yeah, to add on to that, Blair, that's why a guy like Juan Thornhill playing really well over the past couple of weeks could help. We saw him break up the, almost that exact type of pass against the Bills last week, and. Um, our own Jesse Newell wrote about him this week on one of the Zoom calls, and he said he's finally feeling 100% healthy since last year's ACL injury. Um, he was he was completely different, I thought, against the Chargers in Week 17, and then also against um, the Bills in the AFC Championship game than the guy we saw in the first three plus months of the season. He was unbelievable against the Bills. That, that's I think that's his best game in the NFL. Um, he was absolutely terrific. And I think that that when he's like that, um, I think it frees up Tyron to do, you know, even more because now he, he doesn't have as much, you know, sort of center field responsibility. If, if Thornhill's back there with him, the play, I think gotta be one of the best, play. gotta be one of the best situational guys in the league. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> I'm just going to add the play. I think of when I think of his game was uh, one, he took a little criticism for, but, you know, supposedly should have uh, handled that interception, but, what I remember about that play was him going with the move and and being you know velcroed to the defense to the receiver in coverage and um, you know fifty fifty on as he lands with that ball that but that I thought that was a, a good play by him. Yeah, it, it would have been an excellent interception if he came down with it. But the, the impressive part of that too is I forgot the receiver who he was running with, but he came down like he he was sort of deep ish and he came down to take it was either. Or was a running back um, sort of out, out of the backfield. He came down toward the line of scrimmage, had to plant, turn, change directions, and sprint down the sideline with the guy. It was That was a hell of a play. 
Yeah, that was it. That you, you spoke to it a lot better than I did. I do think it was a running back too, kind of coming out on a little delay. Yeah, that was the top option on that play. He had to work his way around some traffic that was kind yeah. of a, an intended pick play on that too. Yeah. Brian LaBerge uh, reminds us it was Cole Beasley on on the. Uh, yeah, it was. But yeah, he guys, faked the wide receiver screen and then went out on a wheel route. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys make great points about Juan Thornhill, though. If this is, um, you know, if this is uh, uh, the, the Juan Thornhill of, of last year, especially toward the end of last year that we're getting in the playoffs. And a reminder, he's playing in his first Super Bowl, right? I mean, this, he didn't get to play last year in the playoffs. Yeah. So he should be extra amped for, for this game. You know, uh, that, that brings up kind of an interesting point, though. Um, those guys that couldn't play, like Alex Okafor, Juan Thornhill, who both are playing on Sunday, um, watch the game from the stands. And I just, I, I've just always wondered about that dynamic. Like, can they not dress on st- in street clothes and just at least get a sideline view of the Super Bowl? I mean, they did contribute for 17 weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, it seems like there should be an exception for that, huh? Or maybe they force them to wear a uniform even, even though just so they can blend. Boy, in college football, that's why you have 150 people on the sideline. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's more like it's more like the NHL where the, the healthy scratches go up into the hockey press box. And, you know, watch, watch I'm just thinking of I'm thinking of like covering a high school game like a, a few years ago, and there's like Johnny's mom knew the concession stand worker, so she gets a field pass, and everybody's on the field, and like Juan Thornhill. Played 17 games last year, could not get on the field for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Blair, that also reminds me of uh, one of our, our favorite Mitch Morse stories. Um, when he was out, I can't remember if it was a leg injury or a concussion, but he, he was sent up to the press box to watch the game and basically came over to start, start watching the game with us. Like, sat <laughs> <laughs> down with us, yeah. Oh, was, I remember that was the leg injury because he came over in that sort of like not really a wheelchair, but kind of. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't want to move around much. He kind of nestled in. And I think the Chiefs had to tap him on the shoulder and tell him he needed to go <laughs> watch. <laughs> Hi, Chiefs fans. This is Clark Hunt. If you have an urgent orthopedic or sports injury, the University of Kansas Health System is open, safe, and has extended hours to see you quickly. You deserve champion treatment from the experts who treat the Chiefs. Request an appointment at kansashealthsystem.com slash sportsmedicine. We're proud that the University of Kansas Health System is the official health care provider of the Chiefs. All right, let's, uh, uh, let, let's talk about the offense and, and do it in terms of a couple of prop bets, uh, you know, uh, I have read so much email this week about prop bets. <laughs> I am prop betted out. Um, but two of them involving Patrick Mahomes, I wanted to ask you about, because I think those are uh, germane to the game. Um, over under on Patrick Mahomes passing yards is three eighteen and a half, and touchdown passes is two and a half. Keep in mind, this is what his, um, six, seven, whatever it is, playoff game, uh, maybe, maybe more than that. He's six and one, right? In playoff games. Yeah. One, one, yeah. three and oh, two and oh. Yeah. Six and one. He's only thrown for over 300 yards twice. One of them was last week or two weeks ago against the Bills. So, um, if, if he's throwing for three eighteen and a half and two and a half touchdowns, um, and, and bode well for the chiefs or does, does, do the Chiefs need more production against this defense than, uh, let's just say, 
you know, 318 yards or and, and three touchdowns. I like it. If, if he's going for big numbers, I mean, I, I think that that's um, – what, what did he go for in week 12? I mean, it was – 462. <laughs> yeah, that was he, – he had 318, you know, by the and, end of the first quarter. And, it was and, all three, and three touchdowns by the end of the first quarter. Yeah. Yeah. So the same the guy. touchdowns are weird because, like, uh, you know, the way the Chiefs play, his touchdown passes depend a lot just based on whether the weird, like, underhand pass – is you know technically forward or behind the line of scrimmage or whatever they're not you know that's not like a lot of them are just not the classic like attacking downfield you know 70 yards to Tyreek or something like that it's it's these weird um you know Ferrari right and and everything else or whether he hands off or flips the jet sweep right yeah 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 yeah. The, the, the the fact that those jet sweeps count as touchdown passes that's um, an untold story of that MVP season is, is just how many of those were basically handoffs. Have you guys ever broken down that number? I, I, I haven't. Um, but I think we did in, in 18. I think we did back then, but I, I forgot what it was. But there was a, I meant that Chargers game in particular. Yeah, um, <laughs> it was like four of them, <laughs> three out of four or something. Yeah. Sam McDowell broke down the 50 touchdown passes that year, didn't you, Sam, for special oh, yeah, seconds? Yeah, yeah, I put that out of my memory. Thanks, player. <laughs> <laughs> To get to your question, Blair, I, I think the Chiefs need him to get to those numbers. I mean, that, that's I, I know I realize what you said about the, his playoff stats, but I think he's around what, like three sixteen for the regular season. I'm thinking if I'm the the Bucks, yeah, if I'm the Bucks and I hold him under both of those numbers, I'm probably feeling pretty good about my chances because. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the Chiefs' best option no matter who they're playing, but particularly against this team in this secondary. Like, this is where the Chiefs have to win. I mean, if, if the Chiefs don't win in their passing game, they're not going to win on Sunday. Well, they certainly uh, carved up the Bucks during the regular season. Um, but it and one buck in particular. Yes, yeah. Carlton Davis. And um, uh, But – uh, Bucks are coming off a, a playoff victory in which they they sacked Aaron Rodgers five times. Rodgers ended up with good passing numbers, right? Big, productive, over well over three hundred yards passing. Um, but but the narrative this week in Tampa Bay has been speed of the linebackers, right? Devin White and Levante David, the the power of the pass rush with Shaq Barrett and JPP. Um, but it's the it's the back end of the Bucks defense that is ripe to be taken advantage of. And so I, I think the, the, one of the keys to, to Sunday for the Chiefs is the, uh, the, the ability for Patrick Mahomes to get the ball out quickly. Uh, we've gotten a lot of questions from, from folks about the offensive line and how you know, uh, Remmers and Wiley are going to hold up a tackle. I, I think that becomes a non-issue if the ball comes out quickly and uh, routes develops quickly and you take full advantage of Hills and Hardman's speed and uh, and I went back, I don't know if you guys have done this. I went back and watched, uh, at least the elongated version of the highlights, of the week 12 victory. And I said, at least I saw every one of uh, Mahomes completions and a lot of those passes happen quickly, absolutely quickly. And, 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 uh, uh, even, even the 75 yarder to Hill, that didn't take long at all for the, for the ball to get out of Mahomes hands. And that's one of the reasons he doesn't get sacked that much. And, and and of course, there's the, the the great stat where he's the NFL's. He's got the top NFL QB rating uh, against pressure. So, don't you think Todd Bowles has a decision to make this week about how they want to defend the Chiefs' passing game? 
Yeah, there's a lot of cat and mouse with that because, you know, those quick passes that you're talking about, if you can draw, you know, the the safeties, the D-backs closer to the line of scrimmage, that's when you can attack. The, the One of the touchdowns, I think it was the one that ended up being the backflip touchdown to Tyreek was that because they got they got Tyreek isolated. Was it even a linebacker? Um you know, they, I mean, they got him isolated against a guy who was much slower. I mean, I, I realize you can say that about everybody in the NFL, but it was much slower than Tyreek. It was that kind of seam, short of crossing, I don't know what you call it, route. Um, and, and that's how that's how you do it. That's that's how Tyreek starts backflipping. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was against Carlton Davis as well. He, he had a rough quarter. Yeah. He needed a hug. That was, yeah, that was brutal. Blair, you're right that there's been a lot of talk about these linebackers, and they are good linebackers and fast, but that would if there's been talk about them matching up with Travis Kelsey, and I just I don't see that. I don't see any linebacker in the league being able to cover Travis Kelsey. It's not just his speed that makes him a difficult matchup. I mean, it's it's his agility and quickness within his routes that if they're going to guard Travis Kelsey one on one with one of those linebackers because they feel like they've got the speed to keep up with keep up with them. Kelsey's going to have a huge day. Hey, just one thing. I, I hope you guys can clarify this for me because I don't really know how this works. Those stats on average time of release, they're, they're based on every play, every pass play, right? So that, that would not yeah. just be pocket plays, but it would also include the plays that Patrick ad-libs and extends. Um, so in some ways, I wonder if, if you know, the more true measure of that stat would be in instances when you're in the pocket. Right, you know, because I think that's the the pure point. There is okay, snap to snap the quarterback, get rid of ball, and then there's the other plays. I believe um, maybe I shouldn't say this out loud without double checking, but I, I believe that that time is release or breaks the pocket. I think okay, okay. or get sacked or whatever you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Aaron Martin says, definitely take the over on the passing yards. Several others have said that, too. I totally agree. I think that it's going to be one of those games where Mahomes will rack up some numbers. And um, and simply because I think it's going to be a higher scoring game, a lot of back and forth. The forecast calls for rain during the day in Tampa, but but dry at night. So field conditions shouldn't play a factor, a factor in the game. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, let's uh, uh, let's pivot to something else. Uh, we, we didn't cover this at the top, but it is, it is newsworthy and a piece of news that, uh, that broke yesterday. And that is former chiefs coach, Marty Schottenheimer entering hospice care. And, uh, of course we know he's been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and, um, and it's, it's given us uh, an opportunity to reflect on, uh, on Schottenheimer's career and his, his decade with the chiefs. 
I'll just say that um, I want to get your guys' take on all your guys' take on Marty. But I came to Kansas City the same year Marty did, 1989, and I can remember, uh, you know, following the NFL before I got here, and the Chiefs were just inconsequential. They were they were never on TV, and when you saw highlights, there was never anybody at Arrowhead Stadium. But uh, from the moment Carl Peterson and uh, got here and hired Marty Schottenheimer in 1989. Uh, Arrowhead Stadium just changed. Uh, the Chiefs changed, and Arrowhead Stadium changed. And I think that's the, you know, the 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 the, the fill uh, the, the capacity crowds at Arrowhead, the, the 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 tailgating, all of that started in 1989 and the first few years that Marty Schottenheimer was here. And that's because they turned those uh, those Chiefs teams into you know competitive division winning teams. Red Fridays started here and uh, started in that era. So. I, I absolutely fondly remember that that decade. Uh, s- several of the playoff losses were, were painful. That's because, you know, he had created you know great teams and great expectations. And and when they lost at home in the playoffs, they were crushing for for Chiefs fans. But I, I think uh, Marty Schottenheimer uh, absolutely deserves his place in the Chiefs Hall of Fame. And those were good times in the '90s. And I know both Sam Mellinger and Sam McDowell, you were kind of growing up in, in that time, weren't you? And, and following the Chiefs then? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, him and him and Carl both, and I, I don't know, you know, how, how to separate that necessarily, but I mean, they changed the Chiefs. I mean, like for, if you're 30, between the ages of like 30 and 60 or 30, whatever, I mean, I think that the 90s kind of defined how you came to think of the Chiefs. Because you're right, like in the 70s and 80s, that was 20 years of them being irrelevant. And and those teams just completely got made over from, you know, the atmosphere with making a college and tailgating and, and, and noise and, and all that to, you know, competitive, tough teams. Um, they were going to hit the quarterback um, often. They're, they're going to run between the tackles. They're going to play action. I mean, you, you just, you kind of knew what you were going to get. And he absolutely, I mean, you know, we can talk about Mahomes doing that now, and we should, we do, <laughs> and we will continue to. But uh, those teams in the 90s, you know, made a lot of people in and around Kansas City love football. I mean, he, he changed the Chiefs um, and in a lot of ways changed Kansas City. Yeah, just looking through the numbers yesterday of his career, it's, I mean, he finished first or second in a, the, back when the, the divisions were five teams, the AFC West, he finished first or second all of his first nine years. And then, you know, he picks fourth and the, 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 the two part ways. And I've always felt like Marty had sort of a weird thing where his last three stops, the team should have tried all they could to hold on to him for longer. You know, he got fired from the chargers after going 14 and two, because he didn't yeah. win the playoff game. Uh, the Redskins, I think he got fired after one year after going maybe eight and eight, but I think he won his last five games. And with the Chiefs, it was just like he, he had one bad year and suddenly it was it was time for a change. And all three franchises in the immediacy were not as good as they were when they had Marty Schottenheimer. I think that's just a testament to how valuable he was. Yeah, that's a smart point. All, all the things you guys are saying really resound. And I, I keep thinking also of this with Marty, like, you know, there, but for a, a twist or a turn here, he's, he's a Super Bowl coach a couple times and just some remarkable snake bitten moments in, you know, that are part of what informed you guys uh, feelings about the chiefs, right. Growing up and, and getting on into your twenties where like, well, this is how they are. They, they lose in the postseason, but 
when I saw, I didn't realize he was 101, 58 and one as the head coach in the regular season. I thought it'd be more like 90 and 70. And so obviously he did great things here, but, but I do keep thinking there's a little parallel there with Marty being um, Marty and Andy Reed. Like at one point they were matched up in total wins and both had the, had the stigma for lack of a better term of being the best coaches never to go to a Super Bowl. And then Andy got to this time. And I feel like in, in some little parallel universe somewhere that, that that happened for Marty with a breakthrough and things were, things were different in his broader legacy. Some of the breaks that he had in the playoffs, I mean, um, obviously we know a lot about the chiefs, but Cleveland too. I mean, just some absolutely brutal, not the coach's fault, but God, it seemed to follow him around kind of stuff. Um, the, the only thing, like when Sam, when you were going through that, um, the eight and eight getting fired from Washington, you, you get fired from Washington. That's a gift. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, you don't have to work there anymore, and they keep paying. You. That's a gift. Hey, one thing he did, he flipped uh, the Truman Sports Complex because uh, it was Royals. Yeah. It was Royals until yeah. Marty and Carl got here, and then it was Chiefs. And you know, Vahe, I know you and I have written stories about it. Uh, you could and Sam. They, they never seem to be good at the same time, right? And uh, <laughs> you know, only in the you know only when the when the when the Royals came back in fourteen and fifteen with Andy Reid that they um, you had parallel you know good teams at the, at the at the sports complex. Well, you're making me think. Not only did they never seem to be good at the same time, they were often bad at the same time. <laughs> Too often. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, hey, so this is the. Um, this is the part where we, we, we plug the, the star we've got coming up, but starting with uh, two special sections in, in Sunday's print editions. I cannot wait to, to open those up and, and, and read the, uh, the two of them. Uh, I think it's about 50 pages of additional Chiefs coverage coming to you in the Sunday edition of the Kansas City Star. And um, uh, Vahe, you have a column coming up Sunday where you have uh, – Spoke, you have spoken to Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, and that had, to, that had to have been fun, talking to LDT. It, it was fun, and, and, you know, we've had them in group Zooms a time or two over the last year, or I got them on the phone once or twice, but yesterday was a one-on-one Zoom, and it, it reminds you just how much, more, how much more regular a conversation is when you're looking at the person. Um, and, you know, as, as all of us have experienced with him, what a what a fascinating you know thoughtful guy and and uh, he 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 spoke about some things in ways I hadn't heard him say before and and uh, we got into a little bit about how he's <laughs> the ways he's going to watch the Super Bowl this year versus the way he watched it last year or participated last year so yeah I, um, we'll we'll have that in that in that section on Sunday and we're going to tease a little bit of that audio on uh, on the Sports BKC podcast for Friday uh, also on Friday. Dropping is the Mellinger Minutes for your ears. Sam, who's uh, who's who's the guest on Friday? We're going to have Rick Stroud, um, who has only covered the Bucks for 30 years um, for the Tampa Bay Times. And Rick, um, I was just like reading about him a little bit. Rick wants uh, Ray Perkins back when that's how far back he goes. Uh, Ray Perkins called Rick to ask him if he was fired. <laughs> and, Rick, and Rick was the one who told him yes. So, um, <laughs> that is how that is how good uh, that is how well Rick knows the Bucks. So uh, it, it was a really cool conversation. I learned a lot. 
<laughs> okay, I'm looking forward to that. That should be out uh, sometime tomorrow before noon. Mellinger minutes for your ears. The the Sam's podcast. Um, let's see. There are uh, one or two other things. Just first of all, I want to thank our sponsor, the University of Kansas Health System, for coming aboard and uh, and and being the sponsor for this show and and the, certainly the one on Sunday after the game, which is the next time we will talk to you guys and. Um, Oh, what, one other thing to plug, um, and I, I know it's it's already in the system because when I woke up this morning, I saw a note from Vahe that uh, from two forty five a.m. that uh, that his fifty three man's thumbnail <laughs> is uh, is is in the system, so ready to go for for Sunday, I suppose. Vahe wrote a uh, at a piece on each of the fifty three players on the roster. Um, I'm just going to say, Vahe, I'm better you than me uh, doing that. <laughs> well, let me flip that on you and say that, uh, as Andy Reid likes to say, say, everybody had a piece of that. There was uh, uh, a lot of good hamburger helper from uh, all, all three of you guys and and, uh, and from Herbie, too, to uh, help help make that uh, make that souffle or whatever hamburger helper goes in. <laughs> well, my, my best help on that was telling you not to do it, not to volunteer. <laughs> 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 uh, all right you guys uh great conversation thank you so much um everybody for for weighing in with your question and comments please join us after the super bowl a couple hours after the game on sunday and we will uh we'll talk um uh maybe super bowl champion for uh uh for uh for the second straight season so for sam mellinger sam mcdowell Bahe gregorian herbie Tiope, and our producer beth welsh um Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again uh, after uh, after the Super Bowl. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff, Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to the Stars coverage team. You know, they've been bringing you great Chiefs coverage all year. Sam McDowell, Sam Mellinger, Bahe Gregorian, and Herbie Teope. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. And by the way... We have another deal for you, especially that for those that want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage, and what a time to join in. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. For three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020 to get this. kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. If you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place, as I did to Glenn, a reader who got in touch with me yesterday. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday to continue our Super Bowl talk this week. <laughs>